Hey Blackbirds, it is your host Sarah and I am here with another mini-sode to bring to you guys. Uh, we get a lot of questions regarding sexual assault and what does it mean, how can I identify it, why don't people report it, who are generally the victims, etc, etc. So I wanted to create a mini-sode that answers a lot of these questions. And of course, as always, if you have more questions, you can always, always email or send them to us on social media to uh, hopefully um, get to in another episode, or we can just answer it right there if it's something that um, is specific to you. So Thankfully, I was able to find a compilation created by the National Center on Domestic and Sexual Violence, the NCDSV. They compiled a bunch of uh, information from different places, uh, different institutes, different organizations, different statistical studies in order to essentially create an FAQ document. So this document is from 2004. I couldn't find anything that was more updated that had this compilation like this. But with that being said, a lot of this information, what I'm going to say in this mini-sode, is still extremely relevant today in, in 2020. So don't be concerned with the year so much. I would be more concerned with the fact that a lot of this hasn't changed. And that's kind of the, the sad part. So with that, um, we'll, we'll just get right into it. So what is sexual violence? There are so many different definitions, and you can find a bunch of these on different organizations' websites. However, I wanted to go with the CDC's definition because, as we know, the CDC is our national Centers for Disease Control their definition essentially encompasses everything that happens within the United States. So I really wanted to bring that one out because others um, have a lot to do with the specific laws of the states in which they provide their organization. So with the national definition, I, I felt that that was a little bit more important to explain. So the uh, CDC says that sexual violence is a sex act completed or attempted against a victim's will or when a victim is unable to consent due to age, illness, disability, or the influence of alcohol or other drugs. It may involve actual or threatened physical force, use of guns or other weapons, coercion, intimidation, or pressure. Sexual violence also includes intentional touching of the genitals, anus, groin, or breast against a victim's will, or when a victim is unable to consent, as well as voyeurism, exposure to exhibitionism, or undesired exposure to pornography. The perpetrator of sexual violence may be a stranger, friend, family member, or intimate partner. And I think that last part of that definition is very important I think that a lot of people think that if you know the person, it doesn't equate to sexual assault. And that's completely untrue. If you do not consent to the sexual activity, it is sexual assault, period. It has to do with 
whether or not there was consent. It doesn't have to do with who the person was, but whether or not there was consent. So I want to go to another question then based on that definition. Who are the offenders? According to the 2000 National Crime Victimization Survey from the Bureau of Justice Statistics from the U.S. Department of Justice, most victims are sexually assaulted by someone they know or can identify. Approximately 66% of rape victims know their assailant. Also, approximately 48% of victims are raped by a friend or acquaintance, 30% by a stranger, 16% by an intimate partner, 2% by another relative, and in 4% of cases, the relationship is unknown. So we're seeing there that 30% are by people the victim does not know. Pretty much everything else is from somebody that they know. So that's a huge number. And I think that, again, a lot of people don't realize that the majority of sexual assault cases come from a perpetrator who the victim knows. And it still is sexual assault. It does not matter who the victim is. It does not matter who the perpetrator is. If there is no consent, it is sexual assault. And that's one of the reasons why people don't report because they are afraid to get the person in trouble or they are not realizing that it was sexual assault because they believe, well, I had sex with my boyfriend or or girlfriend or someone that they know. So they're assuming that it must mean there was some sort of consensual part because they consented to having a relationship with that person. And that's not at all the truth. And so with that, from the... 1992 to 2000 rape and sexual assault reporting to police and medical attention survey from the Bureau of Justice Statistics, of course, also from the U.S. Department of Justice. The closer the relationship between the female victim and the offender, the greater the likelihood that the police would not be told about the rape or sexual assault. When the offender was a current or former husband or boyfriend, about three-fourths of all victimizations were not reported to police. So there you go. And that statistic has not changed much. People either believe that it was not rape because they were in a relationship with this person, or they don't want to get this person in trouble because they care about them. And that's completely understandable, and that's a completely common thought process if you were sexually assaulted. So who are the victims of sexual assault? According to the CDC's 1998 Prevalence, Incidents, and Consequences of Violence Against Women survey, one out of every six American women has been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. And that's a total of 17.7 million women who have been victims of crimes of sexual assault. The statistic, according to RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, is that every 73 seconds, someone in the United States is sexually assaulted. And that is the current statistic now. 
You can also find a lot of these statistics on their website. I will link both this article, uh, this PDF rather, from the NCDSV, as well as the statistics from RAIN. But you should know that not only women are victims of this, men can also be victims of sexual assault. And according to that same survey from the CDC, about 3% of American men, which is a total of 2.78 million, have experienced an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. And again, that was from 1998. These statistics have not changed much. Another question is, are all rapes reported to the police? And the answer to that is definitely no. And, you know, we mentioned earlier that especially when the victim knows the perpetrator, they are not necessarily willing to come forward and express that they have been sexually assaulted. So according to 1992 to 2000, rape and sexual assault reporting to police and medical attention from the uh, United States Department of Justice, most rapes and sexual assaults are not reported to the police. And between these years of 1992 and 2000, 63% of completed rapes, 65% of attempted rapes, and 74% of completed and attempted sexual assaults against females were not reported to the police. And so to go back to why victims don't report, if it was a completed rape, 23.3% cited for personal reasons. 16.3% said it was for fear of reprisal, and 5.8% said it was because of police bias. And of the attempted rapes, 16.8% said it was a personal reason, 11.3% said it was because of fear of reprisal, and 9.9% was because they wanted to protect the offender. And again, that just goes right back to... If you know the offender, you're less willing to report them due to your feelings towards the person. And again, it's completely common, completely understandable. If you have feelings for somebody, you don't want to get them in trouble. So the last few questions that I want to talk about are pretty much the major ones that I I want to discuss. And they're the major ones that we usually get questions about. One is is my reaction normal after being sexually assaulted? And to that, I have to say that whatever reaction you have is the reaction you're going to have. Nothing is normal. You're never prepared for a situation like this. You're never prepared for the way you're going to react to a situation like this. So however you react, that's just what's going to happen. So I guess essentially it is a quote unquote normal way to react because that's what your body, what your mind wants to do and needs to do to protect you. But there's not just one way to react to a situation like this. But from the Rape Treatment Center at UCLA Medical Center, they have uh, quite a few quotes from people who had been sexually assaulted who had come into their facility. So I'm going to read a few of those because they're sort of the more common feelings and emotions that sexual assault victims and survivors have after their assault. I feel numb. I can't believe this happened to me. 
I feel disconnected from other people and from my life. Sometimes I can't stop thinking about it. It comes back out of nowhere. I feel like it's happening all over again. I feel very sad, like I lost a part of me. I have intense anger that I never felt before. I couldn't sleep through the night. I had trouble falling asleep, and then I would wake up every night at the same time that the rape happened. Every night when I come home, I search my apartment. I look in the closets and under the bed to be sure no one is there. I can't go out alone at night because I am too scared. I felt like it was my fault. I trusted him. I wondered if guys would think I was damaged goods. One minute I feel okay and I think I can deal with what happened, and then the next minute I feel overwhelmed and weak. Sometimes it seems like it will never go away. It's been eight months since my rape. It's still always there, but I don't think about it every day anymore. So as you can see, those are all different people stating different feelings, different emotions, different ways of reacting. So there's not just one way to react and there's not just one way to feel about your sexual assault. However you are feeling is normal for you and it is the situation that you have been placed in and it is the way that you have to cope with it. So don't think that if you're not feeling any of these things that were listed, these are only a few small, you know, it's a small percentage of people that were listed in this. If you're not feeling any of the ways that they're feeling, that's also normal for you. Don't think you have to be like the next person. You are an individual. Your situation was different. So the way you're going to react is different. And it could be any number of ways of reacting. As you heard, one of the victims in there had said, I felt like it was my fault. I trusted him. One of the questions we also get is, is it ever the victim's fault? And to that, I say a resounding no. Sexual violence is never the victim's fault. It is always the perpetrator's fault. Do not allow anybody to tell you that it was your fault because of what you were wearing or because you were drinking or because you were in a situation that you should not have been in. It is the perpetrator's fault 120%. Never ever is it the victim's fault. And sometimes that is really, really hard for a victim to understand. So if it helps, maybe just look at yourself in the mirror every day and say it was not my fault. And so the last question, what can I do if I was sexually assaulted? So first and foremost, you do not want to be around the perpetrator. So if you can find a family or friend support system that you can go to, that is number one priority. You need to get to a safe place. Number two, if you can, try to preserve any of the evidence that is on you from the attack. So if you are wearing any particular clothing, don't wash it. Don't take a shower. I know that that's such a hard thing because all you want to do is rid yourself of what happened. 
But making sure that that evidence is still there will help in any sort of investigation and prosecution of that perpetrator. So if you plan to, or even if you don't at that time, if you don't have any plans at that time to file any sort of charges, still try to think that in the future you can. So preserving that stuff is really important. It's not priority at that time. Again, your your priority is to be safe and to try to get yourself to a, a, health, a healthy mental state. But these are also things that, that could help in the situation. You can also go to an emergency department and get a rape kit done. So we did an episode on what a sexual assault examination entails. So if you haven't listened to that one, you should. That is from a forensic nurse. It was for Forensic Nurses Week. Um, we had a forensic nurse on to discuss what her role is in preserving evidence, essentially, for forensic investigation for a sexual assault. If you want to um, report the rape, again, there are so many reasons why people don't. But know that you don't have to right away. You, re you really don't. You can take time to think about whether or not you want to press charges and, and make a report. But the evidence will diminish after 72 to 96 hours, I think it is now. They recommend that you get the sexual assault kit done. So you can get that stuff done within that time frame and then just say, I don't want to do anything with it right now. And that's completely fine. That's completely understandable. At least it's there. And then down the road, you can talk about potentially using it and, and pressing charges. You can also call the national hotline for RAIN, which is, again, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. And their phone number is 1-800-656-HOPE. And they run 24-7. You can also go on to their website, rain.org, and do a chat. You can also text the crisis text line, 741741, and then text with a crisis counselor. You can also go to their website, crisistextline.org. And one of the biggest things is to understand that your healing is going to be different than someone else's healing, and it's going to take time. It's going to take time. It's not going to be easy all the time. It's not going to be easy every day. There may be some days where it's easier than others and some days where it's harder than others. But if you have a really good support system and you have been taught really good coping mechanisms and to understand what your triggers are and how to deal with them or how to know when a trigger is coming on, how to cope with that in the moment, it's going to get easier. So that's it for this mini-sode. I really hope that you learn some more about what sexual assault is if you have any more questions, please reach out to us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com or on our Instagram at blackbirdadvocacy. I will try to answer any questions that I can right away. If I can't, then I will provide resources and information for you to get those answers. 
And I hope that if you have gone through something like this, that you are on the road to healing and that you're taking care of yourself. Thanks for listening to this one and we will see you for Psyche Saturday and for a regular Blackbird episode this weekend.